welcome to the Service Industry Podcast. I've spent the last decade as a CEO, operator, and business builder selling tens of millions of dollars in products and services. I, just like many of you, started with nothing. My mission for this podcast is to help you become the greatest version of yourself, help you grow and scale your business, and create the life you've always dreamed of. I'm your host, Matt Smith. Enjoy the episode. What's going on, guys? Matt here from the Service Industry Podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. We have a super special episode today. I've got one of my really good friends, Patrick, here, and he's going to be telling his story of basically how he went from being a pastor to growing a roofing company that is on track to do $10 million in revenue this year. Super excited to have him on. Before we jump into the episode, I want to remind you guys, if you have not left a review wherever you listen to the show, it would mean the world to me to leave a review for the podcast, whether it's on Apple Music or wherever it is you listen. It helps us reach more people and it helps us help more people, which is the overall mission of the podcast. If you guys ever need to reach out, my email is always in the show notes. Um, and I just love hearing feedback from you guys. So Mr. Patrick, it's been, oh gosh, man, probably a year since we've been talking about getting you on here and you're finally here. What's going on? It is. I finally made it. That's right. <laughs> Our schedules have, uh, I guess, not aligned perfectly. Right. And and I, I know I've had you scheduled a couple of times. We've had to reschedule, but it's all good. You're finally here. Yeah, it happens. I'm glad to be with you, man. You're awesome. And I couldn't wait to to have the opportunity to talk to you on here. So I'm excited about it myself. Yeah. Heck yeah. So for... Uh, You've probably not been on very many podcasts because you're busy actually working. Um, yeah, only uh, probably not. This is my second time, I think. That's awesome, which I love because a lot of, I feel like, content, especially in like the home service space, gets circulated with like these top guys. And um, mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of guys out there like yourself who have built really big businesses, but like nobody knows you exist really on the internet. Um, mm -hmm. And you've got a, a super special story. Um, so I just want, I want people to hear it because I think it's really inspiring. Uh, for one, there's going to be a ton of people that resonate with your story, and I think it'll motivate a lot of individuals who hear it. So let's go back a little bit. Um, you and you know how you and I met, which is, gosh, dude, I think I was probably twenty or twenty-one years old, and you know, in church, mm -hmm. and uh, you were helping along with the youth ministry, right? No, so I tell us about that. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tell us about that journey a little bit. Well, I remember we were adult leaders at the time, you know, and you remember the the Bassets were youth pastors. Yeah. And yep. uh, they ran a great ministry. They were awesome people and still good friends to this day. And I remember you coming, uh, coming with a group of friends and uh, you were a young guy. I think I was 28 and you were probably right around 20. And uh, yep. your guitar player helped yep. with the worship team. And that was awesome. Huge help to us. And I think when you came with that group of friends, it really elevated the... Uh, the youth ministry itself, because the worship at before that, you know, everything was just done through video with words on the screen. And to yeah. have somebody actually playing an instrument on stage was crazy. And the kids, you know, really got into yeah. it. It was awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Exciting. That so talk to us. Yeah. Talk to us about that journey a little bit, because you went from being a volunteer. Um, mm -hmm. And then I, I think I had ended up going to a different church, um, you know, maybe a year or so after that. And then I heard that you had actually become the youth pastor there. We did. Yeah. Because Jeff and Andrea uh, Bassett, they went on to become missionaries in China and they were there for about seven years. So when they left, 
they recommended that we take over and take their mm-hmm. spot. So, um, you know, through prayer and everything, I had already been preparing and taking classes for a year prior to that to get my credentials. Yep. And so it was perfect timing. And it really was from the Lord that we were supposed to take over at that time because uh, the timing could not have worked out more perfectly from my classes ending, me getting credentialed, the way that my job at the time was going anyways, when they were leaving and it just, uh, it worked out. So we became the youth pastors there and we were for about three years. Okay. Um, and, uh, if you want to me keep going, kind of what happened after that? Yeah, dude, keep on rolling. I just, I just want to kind of hear how you got to where you're at. Yeah. So, you know, after that, when we, we became youth pastors, we were there for about three years and then towards the end of that three years, we really felt like we were called to kind of move on and do something else. Mm-hmm. So we had a feeling, can you hear that in the background right now? No, you're good. Okay. Nothing. Cause I hear somebody I think is working upstairs and, uh, no, you're good, man. Don't worry about kind it. Of loud in my office. So, so as we were working there at the church, we felt like we should move on and do something else. And of course I feel like when you're a youth pastor, a lot of times, you know, you think the next step, if you're going to do something to move on, you're going to become a senior pastor, right? So Mm -hmm. that's what I felt like I was going to do next. And people were coming up and telling me, God's calling you to do this. Don't be afraid, you know, and didn't Mm. know anything about what we were thinking about. So I thought it was for real. And that's what we were supposed to do. And, uh, you know, I was wrong. We were supposed to leave. It was time to go. But that was not the step because we we thought we were going to get hired somewhere so we yeah we moved out of our house and we planned on moving to the to the church area um within the next couple of months where we thought we were going to get hired at and so we took a vacation to visit my dad in Florida and while we were there they called us and said hey we're sorry we hired somebody else mm. and uh so i found myself without a job with two you know with twin boys and that were a year old my wife yep um, living in my in-laws house. Cause we were just going to stay there until we moved out to the church. And, uh, I was 30 years old with no job and, and all that going on. So, you know, I, I said, I, I have to do something, you know? So I just did what I knew how to do and went and found a job as a driver for a material okay. distributor and, uh, making 15 bucks an hour, just delivering shingles. And that's where I started in the industry. You know, I'd been in construction quite a bit before, but in the roofing and siding side of the business, you know, I'd done rough framing and uh, concrete construction and all that stuff before and worked with roofing and siding. But um, I got into this business then when I was 30 and started as just a laborer in the yard. Yeah. I did that for two years until they gave me a position inside sales. And I did that for a couple of years, too. Um, and then worked my way into outside sales at that distributor. So I did a little bit of everything and it gave me the opportunity to meet a lot of great guys in the industry that did the installations, um, lots of manufacturing reps. You know, I learned about the pricing, the materials, the warranties and all that stuff. That job really gave me all the tools, man, that I needed to do this and just set me up perfectly for success. So I, I owe a lot to my managers there that gave me opportunities and and that company in general. Man, that's cool because um, when I first started my cleaning business, I mean, this is probably back in 2013, 2014. I was, I was driving. I've told the story in here before, but I was driving. I know exactly where I was at. And I just felt like I wasn't like the business I was in, wasn't going to provide me the opportunity 
that I wanted. And I was right. praying about it. And I remember God telling me, basically, um, you have to become really good at the small things before you can become a, become good at the big things. And like, that's what that mm-hmm. story reminds me a lot of, of like, like you had to go through that season of probably at one point you felt like you took a major step backwards. Um, but like you had to walk through that $15 an hour job and slowly get those increases to learn the industry in and out, which now you're five years into your business, you know, on track to do 10 million. Right. Um, so that's like, that's super encouraging to me. I, I love hearing that. Yeah. It's been a lot. I mean, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a surprise every year, you know, every year. I remember when we first started the business, so it was September 1st, 2018 and, yep. um, right around Christmas or new year's, my wife and I were talking and, um, we were praying and just saying, man, you know, it would be amazing someday if we do a million dollars in sales in a year. Yeah. I can't, I couldn't even believe it. Yeah. And, um, you know, that year we were able to surpass that the first year in 2019. Yep. And then we, we doubled that in 2020. Um, and then 2021, you know, 2021, I think was really like, uh, 2020 or 21 was like the COVID year, you know, it was kind of weird, but Mm -hmm. a lot of people were at home all the time. Uh, so it actually made things, I'm not trying to make light or make a good thing out of the whole COVID, you know, the whole COVID pandemic, but, um, it was easier to do sales, service sales because everybody was at home and so many people were either working from home and still getting paychecks or they were, you know, getting, uh, they were being laid off, but they were getting money from, you know, any other kinds of means from government yeah. money or whatever it was. Uh, and they were at home. So they were always walking around outside. They were seeing their house and they knew they needed to get things done. They were, they weren't busy at work, like, uh, somewhere else preoccupied, they could see their house. So that was a really good year for growth for us as a yep. business. And then, um, you know, we, we, Went up another, we went to 3 million the third year. Last year we did seven and a half the fourth year and we're on pace for 10 this year. So every year I make a new goal and um, it's, the goal is usually lower than what we do. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, you know, great blessing. Really awesome. When it, what, um, yeah, what, this is a personal question for me. I, I know I've probably never asked you this. What keeps you motivated at like, like, people would say like, when is enough, like enough, like what keeps you motivated to keep growing the business bigger? Well, it's different because it's different now. You know, it's not just about, it's not just about doing more sales right now. So that, uh, you know, in this industry, you can, you can have a company a couple different ways. You can either have a company where you you don't have any overhead. You kind of run everything out of your house and you do all the sales yourself and do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can make a great living doing that. And you can work for the rest of your life doing that. Mm-hmm. Or you can try to scale your business. And then enough is enough, I guess, or the end goal is when uh, you make enough, you do enough sales to pay your workers and train them well enough where they can run the business, where the business runs on its own you know, mm-hmm. and we're not there yet. So I'm still, I'm still pretty heavily involved in a lot of things and I always want to be a part of the business. Um, but I think, uh, I think big enough would be big enough once we're to a point to where 
I got, I have a $15 million number in my mind, you know, yeah. that's where I would, that's where I, for some reason, that's what's in my head of where that'll be. If we could do that year after year in sales, that would kind of be, we'd, we would be one of the, definitely one of the leaders in the market in the whole state of Michigan at that point. So if we get to that point and things are running well and everybody is uh, fulfilling their role and things are running smoothly, then I think that that will be, that will be good. But I, but even then it's not like I, I will be able yeah. to just sit back and be like, all right, I'm done working. I'm not going to do anything else. You know, I don't, I don't want to have to work for money. Um, I'd rather not do that. But at the same time, I don't think I'll be able to fully like retire my mind anytime soon. You know, I'll, I'll want yeah. to do something. Has, has, um, because it's been relatively quick, like five years to be at from zero to 10 is really fast. Is there, um, do you ever go through like mindset issues of like being scared of going back to where you were? Do you ever think like that? Going back to like where I was before the company started? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. You know, it's a lot of people tell me like, I can't believe you took such a big risk, you know, starting a company for me, it was a little bit it was a little bit different because I felt like if, uh, if I went and started a business and it was even mildly successful for a little while, but then I went out of business, you know, I could get, I could get probably a better job at the same type of place I worked at before than I had when I worked there, because then I would not only have the experience that I had there, but then I'd have experience of running, running a company actually. Um, so to me, it wasn't as big of a risk and I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm a risk taker anyways. I don't, I don't like playing it safe and I don't like, you know, I can't just, I don't know. I just, I can't just sit and let things be how they're going to be. I'm always, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, so, so yeah, so worried about going back to the way that I was, I would say, I don't think I would go back to that per se anyways. Um, I don't I think, know. I don't really, I just don't think about stuff like that. You know? Yeah. That, that's really good. That that's a downfall of mine for sure. Is like in a way it's a motivator. Um, but like I, I you know, cause it, it happened relatively quick for me too, but like, mm-hmm. um, I very much so remember the days of like struggling financially mm-hmm. and like, it terrifies me to think about ever going back to that life. And so like, that is a huge motivator for me. So I was just curious. Um, yeah. And, you know, and when I started the business, I don't feel like I had a, it wasn't as much of a struggle anyways. Now, if you talk to me when I was 30, when I started mm-hmm. working for the distributor, that's different because I had young kids and I was making $15 an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had one car that somebody gave to us, the Sigwalds, you know, Greg and Sandy. Yeah. Yeah. They gave us a car, uh, you know, a blazer. Um, so we had that, but, um, you know, we were we were really struggling. We, we had a tiny little, tiny little house, two bedroom, 900 square foot house with the boys in it. And, um, we could pay the rent and we had food assistance, you know, and, uh, my, my mother-in-law bought all of our diapers for our kids and winter coats. And as a 30 year old man, I did not feel very good about myself. Yeah. Yeah. So if I went back to the way I was when I started this business, you know, it's still, I wouldn't be super excited about that, but my life was not, uh, it was still, it was still pretty good. Um, 
But when I, you know, I wouldn't want to go back to where I was when I first started in the industry at 30 years mm-hmm. old, for sure. You know, starting to think about that, I started working full time as a 16 year old uh, and worked from 16 to 30 years old and then ended up unemployed living with my in-laws with little kids. Yeah. That's the bottom. You know, like yeah. I was like, I've hit bottom. And uh, so I was just willing to do anything to get out of that personally. But uh, I don't want to go back to that. Yeah. That's yeah. No, for sure. No, I, I was just curious if that's a motivator at all, if that's something yeah. you think about, because it is something I think about. I, I wish I could just say I didn't, but I do. Mm-hmm. Um, you had mentioned before we went live on here that you had 30 plus jobs before starting this business. Yeah. Were I those, did, yeah. yeah, I guess going, going on that a little bit, what, what was it that made you turn over so much or, or why was that? I think, uh, I mean, a lot of that stuff happened because of immaturity, number mm. one, um, I always had a slight problem with authority. Yeah. And uh, that's, I mean, that's a big reason why I started the business anyways. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, I went through a lot of jobs because I, I felt like either um, I had the, I had a problem with somebody who was my boss or um, I felt like I should have gotten certain types of treatment or should have got raises or whatever it was, but I just was never like settled. I just was never settled or satisfied, I guess, with a job. Like I, once I got um, to a certain point, especially when I was older, see when I was a teenager, it was just whatever my friends were doing, they got a job, get me a job over there. I would switch, you know, whatever. But um, as I started getting older and I was an adult in my twenties, that's when it started to become like, I would work somewhere. Like for instance, I worked at home Depot and I started as just a guy stocking shelves in the, the, um, the hardware department. And then I worked there for about six months and they made me a, uh, department head of the hardware department, a co-department head of the hardware department. And then a couple months later, so within 10 months, and then they gave me the lumber and building materials department and I was running Mm -hmm. that department. But, uh, so I had gotten the job that I wanted when I started. I wanted to be, I wanted to run a department at least, but then my boss was uh, like three years younger than me and he was an assistant store manager and I didn't really like working for him. So I found another job, you know, making yeah. a couple of dollars more an hour. And then that one, and then I was, I would leave that job because, um, because somebody in the office was, um, doing things wrong procedurally with trucks coming in and getting them loaded. And then it was kind of falling back on me. Uh, so we'd get in arguments all the time about whose fault it was and all this stuff. But then the, you know, our manager was going to, going to deal with it, he said, and then, um, nothing ever happened. So I got disgruntled and said, Oh, you guys are never going to do anything to change anything. So I'm out of here, you know? And so just stupid reasons, honestly, a lot of immaturity, um, and a lot of just, just not wanting to, not wanting to deal with drama or anything like that. So I would just move on to the next thing. Do you find, um, do you find like, do you find purpose in what you do? Well, I do because, I mean, I feel like we're a big reason why I started the company was because I would see guys from all different walks come in and buy materials from us. And I would see guys that had integrity. Mm -hmm. And we're taking care of people and they were doing very well for themselves. And and then I would see guys that would come in um, bragging about how bad they 
you know, took advantage of a homeowner and how much money they were making. And, and, uh, and I knew what type of, you know, people they were outside of that and kind of what they would talk about doing. And, um, I was like, man, if, you know, if guys like that can take advantage of people like that and still make the kind of money that they're doing, then I can definitely do a lot better than that they're doing and do well for myself. So, you know, I really do feel like there's a purpose because people have to have service done to their houses, but I actually care about how it turns out, you know, and uh, if there's ever issues and they call, then we're more than willing to go back and help them. And I think it's, you know, I don't want to just take money and, and run away and um, not be there for people if they need it. So that's why we, we do our best and we always do warranties and things like that. Um, and we're fair to people because we're going to, we're planning on being around if they ever need us again. So. Yeah, that's awesome. An, you know, it's an honest profession. If you're an honest person, you can. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, me and you have talked behind the scenes a lot about some of the guys that really target insurance claims and how there's a lot of dishonest stuff that goes on with that sometimes. But talk mm-hmm. to us about, cause a lot of these guys d- don't know this, but um, talk to us about your model a little bit, like employee wise, cause you do have, from my understanding, maybe some W2 employees, but majority of them are subcontractors. Mm-hmm. So how does that that's, work? That's how I chose to set it up from the start was all of the, um, we have in-house employees that are sales or, or work in the office. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's a large community of subcontractors that do a great job at installing. And so, yeah, I subcontract the labor out. And then I have a, most of my employees that I have, like I said, are sales and office people. And it just works out very good because the guys that mm-hmm. the guys that have the talent, really, really good talent of doing the installation it gives them an opportunity to start their own business also mm. and be successful on their own and have and have that under their belt. And um, and it makes it a lot more simple for them and for me, because then they can deal with uh, they would they can hire people and they can work on their payroll and they can have their tools and trailers and everything like that and their own insurance. But they don't have to deal with the setting appointments and selling and, and dealing with all the insurances on this side of the business and all that stuff. And Mm-hmm. And I don't have to deal with, you know, the human resources type things that they do with their employees. Yeah. So we we stick to what we're good at and it works out really well for everybody. No, that's cool. So how many installers do you have? Uh, we have between roofing and siding, we got about a 70 people that are working for us. That's crazy. Man. So 30, uh, 30 to 40 roofers. We have a crew that's 30 that splits into three crews sometimes, depending on the size of the job, or we just yep. send them on to one big job. We have a secondary crew of 10 to 15 guys. And then uh, siding-wise, we have seven, seven full siding crews now for James Hardy and for vinyl siding, and then we run a few gutter crews as well. So um, it's we're very fortunate to have the help that we do have the labor. Cause that's a huge problem with a lot of guys in the service industry. Is that common for roofers to be able to have like that many subcontractors with ease? I don't think so. I don't think yeah. so, but I created great relationships when I still work for a distributor, you know, with guys yeah. that would come in and, uh, I made friendships with the main guys and uh, the main guys are the ones that they, they own the businesses and, and they, they have the personnel and the, and the access to more help, more labor. So, Mm -hmm. no, I I feel like from the beginning, 
uh, I've been really fortunate to be able to have enough labor. Cause I know a lot of guys that have struggled with that for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess real quick, let's backtrack to your first year. Cause a lot of these guys listening are in their first couple of years or they're getting ready to start. Talk about, I guess, I mean, you told me about your first month, but talk about really that first year of what it took to get going. Mm-hmm. What it took to get going. So, uh, I started in, um, you know, September 1st of 2018. And when I started, I quit my job because, and, and I basically took all of my, I took my 401k out and everything to pay my bills for the next few months until I got going. And, uh, you know, I started in that first month. Um, I was working on getting the right insurance, getting my builder's license, all that type of stuff while I was just offering to do repairs for people. So, you know, the first month I didn't have any subcontractors. I was going around and uh, taking an aluminum break in the back of my truck and doing garage door trim and light blocks on siding and, you know, pretty much anything that people would let me do on their house uh, just so they would take business cards and um, hand them out to friends so I could get some something going. So I did a fourteen hundred dollars in sales the first month. But, um, you know, the second month, we had friends of ours that were in our neighborhood and we lived in a nice neighborhood in Howell uh, that needed their roof done. So they hired us. That was basically our first roof. And mm-hmm. it was really awesome. It was three doors down from us. I remember like rolling my gas grill down at lunchtime for the guys. and like cooking yeah. hot dogs and brats for them when they were on the roof. And uh, so we did their roof, put up yard signs in our yard and their yard. And then we did another house in that neighborhood and another house in that neighborhood. And we ended up doing about 20 in there in the first oh, year wow. and a half. So, um, you know, word of mouth and referrals, I had no online marketing for the entire first year that I was in business, but everywhere that I went, you know, it's like, uh, Hey, nice to meet you. Uh, you know, I'm Matt Smith. Hey, how's it going? I'm Patrick Irk and I own a roofing company. You know, it yeah. was just, that was who I was, uh, at first because I was trying to just let everybody know that I possibly could what I was doing. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you just have to, you got to market yourself everywhere you go. You got to let people know what you're doing and you got to ask for opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, Any conversation you get into needs to be, you know, if you know anybody that needs any roofing or siding or anything like that, you hand them a business card, and you know, thank them, shake their hand and um, just hustle and believe. Yep. No, I, there's no, I'm not, uh, I don't know exactly how everything's happened, Matt. It just, I just work and it's just come, it's just come to pass. I mean, just opportunity and favor, I feel like have followed me around and I'm super, super happy and excited about it. So. No, it's cool to see somebody like, you know, I've known you for a long time. It's cool to see somebody who's like just a legit, honest dude win. You know what I mean? Like you do, like if you guys were to go read this guy's reviews on, on Google and stuff, like, um, everything is about honesty. You know what I mean? And like you said earlier, something's broke, you fix it. I, you did my roof a couple of years ago, um, had a tree fall in my house and your guy was out there within a couple hours to tarp the roof. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just super professional and it's just good to see somebody who, you know, means well, uh, winning. So that's, that's really cool. So fast forward, I guess, um, you get into year two, three, four, what are you doing for marketing now? Oh man, right now there's really a lot, uh, 
Sorry, I had to go and un- unlock the door. Um, oh, you good. Really, a lot going on at this point. We uh, we do a lot of online marketing on Google. We do a lot of marketing on uh, on Google through a local um, through a local agency. They do all of our uh, local mm-hmm. service ads for us and our website and all that type of stuff. So we do a lot of stuff online. That's probably where seventy five percent of our leads come from now is through Google. Um, and then we're doing local things like we're on WHMI on the radio. We do commercials on there. Yep. Um, and we do events with them. We usually get either the we get like a glossy page in the Marketeer, which is a local uh, magazine that goes out all over Livingston County. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do that. That's another local thing. And we um, yard signs on all of our jobs. We try to put some stuff on Facebook and Instagram as much as we can, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could be better at that for sure. Um, but that's a big thing is uh, to me is. I think like right around in the middle of year three or in the beginning of year four, I really wanted to try to grow super fast. And, uh, I got into, you know, I switched my, my website provider over to a company that's highly regarded. That's does a really good job, but they're out of Chicago mm-hmm. and, uh, made things really impersonal. And even though they were great at what they did, it was hard for me to really deal with them on a regular basis because of where they were. And, um, and I started to see like a disconnect there and we were not getting as many leads even as we were with the local company that we had before. Yeah. Um, so I just really started looking at things and going, you know, we we're right here in Livingston County. We're in Howland Brighton. And, and of course I'd love to expand, but this is where we're at right now. So why would I use a company from Chicago when there's a great company here that not only they provide uh, the website and they provide the services for getting Google leads, but they also give us referrals. They're on the community Facebook groups that we're on. So when people mm-hmm. ask her who's a good roofer or a siding guy, they're actually referring us. We've done roofs for two or three people that work for the company that give, does our website for us. Sure. Um, that's when I started to meet with WHMI because they're Livingston County's own. They're, you know, they're a local company and they do tons of stuff around here. So I just really wanted to refocus everything on being local right here. And really, I want to take over this area before I try and expand farther out. You know, I want to be mm-hmm. I want to be uh, southeast Michigan's or Livingston and Washtenaw County's preferred roofer before we start trying to do anything else. And yeah, that seems to have been working really well so far. It's so funny because I think most people will expect some fancy answer. Mm-hmm. Um it's but it's just simple. Yeah, you know I mean, and like that's how business is. Like you find the things that work and you scale them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not fancy. It's just it's simple. It's you know a lot of the stuff is simple and boring. And um, you know that's how we scaled our business so fast too. Was like pretty much ninety percent was Facebook ads. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that that's really cool. So you're you're going for ten million this year. Um. What does that look like as far as uh, you had mentioned you're now scaling more into the commercial side? Um, I guess give us some feedback on what does that look like versus residential? Well, we still do. We're still going to do like, you know, 75 percent residential. We do a lot of roofs on houses, you know, but when you get into some of these bigger commercial jobs, um, 
of course you sometimes you have to sacrifice some of the margin that you would make on a smaller job mm-hmm. um, but the the um, but the volume more than makes up for that and uh, so you know if you really want to scale yep I mean you could do a lot of residential work and there's different ways to do things in this industry too and uh, you can be a retail only sales company you can be an insurance claim only where people only go when there's storms and things they'll chase yeah. around and they'll find hail and wind damage and tree damage and all that stuff. Yep. Um, or you can just try to market and go and sell people a roof that's 20, 25 years old and they know it needs to be replaced. So, uh, but when you get into really trying to scale, it's, you know, in, especially right in the area we're in, there's a lot of nice houses, but, um, you know, you're not probably going to do 15 million a year in residential roofing sales. Unless, you, you know, unless you've been around for 40 years, maybe, and everybody around here knows, but you're still going to have to travel for that. But when you start working with some of these commercial jobs, of course, there's a lot more uh, strict standards on the job site and a lot more preparation and safety meetings and tons of things that you have to do. But at the same time, uh, you, um, you know, you're going to be working on that. It's going to give you work for months in advance, uh, sometimes even, you know, we, you could schedule jobs into the next year if you want. Mm-hmm. And it really helps too. And makes your, makes your company more valuable because when you sign those contracts with people, so that's a, you know, it goes into your sales amount. Um, so you really need to add some commercial stuff in and do a, you know, do a mix. Some people only deal with commercial. They just sit and, on their computers and just bid the commercial jobs. That's all they want to do. Yeah. Um, because they don't want to deal with the day-to-day stuff, but residential is where we come from, and that's never going to be something that we get rid of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both of them definitely, you know, work well together, and the commercial yeah. stuff is going to fill the gaps. So if you, you know, we work fast, you know, with 30 guys, we're doing minimum. I mean, we're laying 60, 70 square shingles a day, so it could be one big house or it could be two little houses or two medium-sized houses or yep. whatever. So if we, you know, we, we run through all that work so quickly, if we were to run out, you know, you always have that commercial stuff kind of waiting there. That's new construction. You can go and do it whenever, you know, whenever you have a yeah. gap. So that's yeah. Yeah, filler. It's really good. No, that's good. Especially, I mean, you know, you know, by now, like the ebbs and flows of your season too. So mm-hmm. you can throw commercial work in those lower months. Right. And it's always, yeah. you know, everything's on fire in January or you know, not in January, but like right around the beginning of March, everybody's like, oh, it's, yeah, you know, I hope the season starts up soon. And then it does. And then you're yep. like, man, I wish I could have a break. Yeah. And yeah. Then, then in July, everything dies for July and August. And you're like, oh, crap, you know, what happened? Yeah. And then September comes. And then you're like, God, I can't wait until Christmas when this ends. Yeah. You know, it's just, you just nonstop busy. So, I've learned at least already in, you know, even five years in the business of when those times hit, just being able to be like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. This happens every year, same month, same time. Everybody's either on vacation or it's winter and it'll, it'll come. Yeah. It'll happen. No, that's good. A lot of guys go through that. Um, last thing I want to dive into is your sales team. Yeah. What does that look like? Uh, you feed those guys leads. Do they could drum up leads on their own? Um, they're actually going out to people's houses and selling. How does that work? Yeah. So most of them, I mean, we give most of them leads. Like when, you know, somebody clicks on Google or they hear us on WHMI and they call in, it gets assigned to one of our, uh, one of our three main outside sales guys. 
Uh, I got great outside sales guys. They're all awesome. Um, so they'll go out and they'll take that lead and go and, and try and sell the job to the customer. Tell them why we're better than all of the other mm-hmm. guys that they're calling and uh, why we're worth what we're worth. And um, so they take a lot of those leads. We give them to them, but they'll ask for they'll ask for reviews. They'll ask for referrals. Um, you know, one of my guys is uh, his son plays baseball. So everybody that's on the team knows that he sells Mm -hmm. roofing and siding and uh, we sponsor his son's baseball team. So our banners right on the fence and his name and phone number is right under the roofing PD sign. Mm -hmm. So if he gets referrals from somebody at the baseball field, then it's going to go directly to him Yep. as far as a referral for the company. Um, So they do go out and get some of their own stuff, but I'd say we provide most of them for them for sure. And so those guys are waking up every day. They're just, they're, appointments at customers houses selling them roughs right yeah probably two or three a day each of them are going to two or three appointments oh is that right and what what would you say your close rate is not not good enough i would say that yeah needs to be better for sure (laughs) yeah do you guys have a goal that you shoot for is it a certain percentage yeah yeah, i mean in this industry they say uh like a guy at 20 percent is either on his way in or on his way out Mm. A guy at thirty percent is a manageable salesperson, and a guy at forty percent is a superstar. So, oh, interesting. We try and at least get up that above that thirty percent, which is, you know, the difference is like as the owner. When I was doing all the selling myself, I probably had a closing rate of seventy-five percent. Wow. To be honest, because I'm the owner, it's a personal referral mm-hmm. most of the time. I sold the roof to the person that told them to call me. And uh, they know that if something goes wrong, it's I'm the owner. So I'm I'm going to have to take care of it. And I'm the guy they're dealing with. Yeah. It's, it's a lot easier to sell like that than as a salesperson that works for the company. Um, you know, it's a lot harder for them than it is for me. Yeah, I think a lot of guys struggle with the idea of letting that go. But like you would probably agree that there's zero chance you could do 10 million with you being the only guy selling. Yeah, unless you do only commercial. Yeah. That's, that's the only way, you know, and you can build the business that way, but that's just not how I started. Mm -hmm. So, um, it would be really, really hard. I would say if I was doing all residential and I sold everything by myself, I could probably do 3 million Mm. max and I would be maxed out. Like mentally, it would just be so much to think about and so many customers, so many orders, uh, it would just be, it would be tough to try and do that all by yourself yeah. for a long time. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. Um, so let's end with this. Uh, before we jumped on here, you had talked about um, just having the mindset of it not being too late to start. Mm-hmm. Dive into that a little bit. Yeah, it's not too late because like I said, man, I did, I did so many things. I mean, I could read through the, some of the jobs that I had. I mean, I, you know, when I was 15, my first job was at Fenton House Restaurant bussing tables yeah. and like, you know, buttering barbecue sauce on frozen ribs so they could cook them and stuff. And then uh, I sold um, vacuum cleaners door to door at one point. Yeah. I did. Uh, I worked on a dairy, like building a dairy farm. I worked at a truck wash in Dexter, um, drove high lows, worked at Home Depot, was a rough frame carpenter. I mean, so many different things that I did. And, um, so, and I did all that stuff and then ended up being a youth pastor, you know, when I was in my late twenties and then turning 30, 
you know, that's when I kind of started over. So a lot of people will think, man, I got to have my career set. I got to have everything going on at a certain point in my life. Well, I was at 30 years old looking around going, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing because man, I, I thought I was, you know, I've been working since I was 15 nonstop. I thought I heard from the Lord that I was supposed to go and uh, be a senior pastor. That didn't work out. I'm like, what do I do now? I don't. Mm. So I just got a job, you know, I went and got a job. I know how to work. I know how to work hard. So I just did that. And, um, you know, through those things, even that, even through that five years of working for that distributor, it was always like, this can't be it for me. Mm -hmm. This can't be it. You know, I have to, there's gotta be something else. And, um, at 35, it just, everything came together. And I had mentioned to my wife for six months, like, I think I need to start this business. You know, I need to start it. And of course my wife had, had been through all the same things yeah. that I had been through the ups and downs. And, you know, she saw me that the guy that had finally gotten the job that he wanted, I was the outside sales rep. I had a truck allowance. I made commission. I made a decent salary. We had a, okay. You know, we had a good house and life was going great. And I wanted to quit. Mm. And she's like, what are you, you know, yeah. what are you thinking about? And, and I had to, you know, explain everything to her to, to help her understand that it was a good idea. And uh, it worked out. And it's for sure the best decision I ever made. But I mean, it's like I said, everything really real success in this business really started for me at 35 years old. And I had been working for 20 straight years at that point. So you know, I failed a lot of times and I did a lot of different jobs um, that I would never want to do again. Yeah. But every single thing I did uh, taught me something different, taught me how to deal with people or what people's lives might be like or um, different types of skills or whatever it was. They were all good, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I'm glad everything worked out the way that it did and everything's everything's good now. Um, I yeah. love what I do. Um, I love the the people that are working for me with this business. They, they seem to really care, you know, about the business. They all have integrity. They all do a great job and the future. I mean, the future looks really good. I'm excited about it. Yeah. And it's cool. It's cool to see the opportunities or it will be cool to see the opportunities that come from, from this business. I know you want to get into real Mm -hmm. estate and we've had some conversations that, I mean, you really want to get into real estate and, uh, Mm um, I know there's some guys on here that that do real estate investing and stuff like that. So I just appreciate you coming on, dude, and sharing your story. Um, I think it's an inspiring story. You weren't given anything. You know, you started with nothing and you built a business that 99% of people on planet Earth will never build. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really cool. So I I just appreciate you having having you on the show today. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Matt. Um, I appreciate you, man. You're an inspiration to me and a great friend. Um, seeing you go through things, entrepreneurship from when you were a kid and I would see you on Facebook and we didn't even talk for a few years, but I'd yeah. see you starting your business and then I'm starting this new business. And I remember when you started Brave American, seeing you going and doing, uh, setting up a tent at like street festivals yeah. in Ann Arbor and seeing, selling uh, Brave American gear and things like that. And, you know, you, you had a dream, man, and you hustled and that's, we're not willing to give up. Yeah. We're not willing to give up on dreams and successes, you know, do everything that we can to make sure they succeed. For sure. For sure. Well, we'll do this again, dude. And I'm sure people will have questions. Um, if people want to find you on social or reach out, are you open to that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, you can just search uh, his company, Roofing PD. Um, 
and you'll you'll pop up and I'll put a link in the show notes as well so they can find you easy. So, well, brother, okay. I appreciate it. Until next time, yeah. you uh, have a good rest of your week. Awesome, man. Thanks a lot, man. Right. See you. Yep, take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. As always, if you need any help marketing your business or want to work with me directly doing one-on-one coaching, visit serviceindustrycoach.com. We'll see you on the next episode.